0: This month on ParCast Presents, we're featuring Lethal Ladies. And in Melbourne, Australia, there was nobody as lethal as Kathleen Pettingill. Simply known as Granny Evil, she was the matriarch of the infamous Pettingill crime family. If you enjoy these episodes and want to hear more like them, be sure to check out our series Kingpins. There you'll find an entire catalogue of true stories about the rulers of the underworld. Follow Kingpin's free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Due to the graphic nature of this Queenpin's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of drug use, sexual assault and violence that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13.
0: Melbourne, Australia, the mid-1980s. Shortly after 1am, Kath Pettingill walked to the home of her eldest son, Dennis, to check on him. He'd made a habit of getting into trouble with local law enforcement lately, and when she approached his home, the lights were still on.
1: Kath hoped he'd be awake, maybe doing something mundane like reading. But Dennis was doing far more than that.
0: When she entered, Kath heard Dennis and his friends partying. She made her way to the kitchen, where she found a grisly sight. A former massage parlor customer lay on the floor, barely conscious. He was half naked, with a meat cleaver buried deep into the back of his head.
1: Kath looked around the kitchen, taking in the grim scene. Blood covered the floor, walls, and ceiling.
0: Until this moment... Kath had stood behind her son no matter the situation. She even played her own part in their family's drug business. And while she knew he had a nasty temper and a long arrest record to reflect it, something about this scene seemed worse. Much worse than anything he'd done before.
1: The nightmare in the kitchen forced Kath to see Dennis for who he really was. He wasn't just ruthless for the family's business matters, He'd taken to hurting people for his own pleasure, too. And she couldn't let this keep happening. It was too risky.
0: So, as the matriarch, Kath took charge of the situation herself. Her eldest child would be better off dead, and she would do anything she could to speed that end.
1: Welcome to Kingpins, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden.
0: And I'm Kate Leonard. Every Friday, we journey inside the ranks of organized crime rings, from street gangs to mafiosos, to understand how a kingpin or queenpin rises to the top of the underworld.
1: And why they fall. As we follow the lives of infamous crime bosses, we'll explore how money and power changed them, and how it changed the community around them.
0: You can find episodes of Kingpins and all other originals from ParCast for free on Spotify.
1: This is our first episode on Kath Pettingill, known colloquially as Granny Evil. She was the tough, ruthless matriarch of Melbourne's Pettingill clan. Seven of her ten children were her associates to whom she dictated the day-to-day of her criminal bidding.
0: This week, we'll trace Kath's rise from a young barmaid to the head of Melbourne's infamous crime family. Next week, we'll look at a high-profile set of murders tied to the Pettingills and how they undermined the local police.
1: We'll dive into the rise of Granny Evil right after this. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness.
2: Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be.
0: That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Like most lords and ladies of organized crime, Kath Pettingill was a force to be reckoned with. No one doubted she would make good on her business. Her power, though, manifested differently than most. As the matriarch of one of Australia's most vicious crime families... She didn't send out random strangers to commit violent deeds. She sent her own children instead. After all, there were seven that stayed with her as she made her way in the criminal underworld.
1: And Kath's influence extended beyond her kids, too. Her Melbourne crime associates respected her loyalty. Her glass eye was a constant, ghastly reminder of this. It was the true survivor's souvenir of a gnarly test of honor.
0: In 1978, 43-year-old Kath had largely been supporting her children as a madam of local massage parlors. She had an extensive group of regular clients and was well-known. Kath hadn't reached her full power yet, but she was on the rise.
1: But around the same time, some of the parlour workers were growing familiar with Kath's daughter, Vicki Brooks. When Brooks was arrested and jailed in 1978, Local sex worker Kim Nelson recognized her and bailed her out. In the underworld, and particularly in the brothels, it was common to help each other out of a jam like this. So, Nelson paid the $300 bail. Of course, though, she'd want the debt repaid.
0: Several months later, Brooks still hadn't paid back Nelson. To be indebted made Kath deeply uncomfortable. She hated anyone in her family owing money. So one night, she took it upon herself to reimburse the $300. She took the money and her eldest son, Dennis, to Nelson's house. But they had no idea Nelson wanted more than just her
1: cash back. At Nelson's apartment, Kath knocked on the door and announced herself. She yelled that she was there with money to pay back her daughter's bail.
0: Then... A shot was fired from the other side.
1: The bullet ripped straight through Kath's face. Her right eye was torn out of her skull and landed on Dennis's shirt.
0: When Kath woke up in the hospital, she was bandaged and awaiting a glass eye. With her healthy eye, she looked out around her room. It was filled with flowers and well-wishing notes. Various members of local criminal circles had even signed the cards. But the flowers weren't just to wish her a speedy recovery. Kath knew that at least some of them were meant to keep her quiet about the shooting.
1: Because Kath had announced herself at the door, Nelson couldn't claim she shot a random intruder. The bullet was meant for Kath. To reveal the matriarchal queenpin had been targeted could set off a tidal wave of revenge shootings throughout the underworld.
0: More importantly for Kath, it would have jeopardized her reputation and her ability to do business. Ratting out someone else from the criminal underworld would be seen as a betrayal, so she knew she needed to keep quiet. When Nelson went to trial, Kath testified that she didn't remember anything.
1: But that didn't make Kath a pushover. While there wasn't an immediate opportunity for payback, she wasn't concerned she could wait for her next chance. Revenge was worth the wait.
0: After all, Kath was a successful and fairly unique queenpin, thanks to her deep understanding of the loyalty expected from her criminal peers. She was a well-respected figure because she suffered no fools and looked after her own. Most importantly, even when it meant her own safety was on the line, she kept to the unspoken understanding She never gave anyone up to the police.
1: While Kath mostly committed petty crimes, she rose to notoriety thanks to her toughness and a vast criminal network of family and colleagues. With influence, she stayed above the fray of the grittiest of the crimes. She didn't have to dirty her hands. Usually, it was one of her kids or their associates that did it for her.
0: Growing up in Melbourne, Kath Pettingill had the type of childhood that indicated she might become a mother of monsters. As a wayward and largely unattended child in the 1930s, she wished for exactly ten kids of her own. It was an arbitrary number, partly inspired by the Bible, but she wasn't religious. Her wish eventually came true. Kath ended up with a large brood that developed into a vicious pack of criminals— Her clan's history wasn't always so nefarious, but deceit always ran in the family.
1: Born in 1935 to a teenage mother, Kath was soon raised instead by her great-grandmother. During her childhood, she thought her mother, 19-year-old Gladys Grace Lee, was just a family friend.
0: It was a bizarre family tradition. The children were raised by grand or great-grandparents. Their actual mothers were kept secret. And this peculiar ritual had run through the family history for decades.
1: And Kath's mother, Gladys, had little desire to raise her daughter. She lost her husband in World War II. While grieving, Gladys enjoyed attention from other men and mostly left Kath with her own 70-year-old grandmother.
0: The tradition put distance between Kath and Gladys, but it strengthened her bond with her great-grandmother. The elder matriarch had a gambling habit, and Kath helped place her bets. It was Kath's introduction to petty crime.
1: Her great-grandmother sent Kath out on little errands, like placing her bets with the neighborhood bookie. Then, Kath played lookout as the bookie tallied the bets.
0: Despite being young... Kath was showing an affinity for life's seedier things, and her aptitude for figuring out how to make them work to her advantage would only take off as she grew.
1: Coming up, Kath meets her man and starts creating her tribe of crime.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness.
1: By 1950, 15-year-old Kath Pettingill was already dipping her toe into the edges of Melbourne's underworld. After years spent helping her great-grandmother play small bets, Kath was looking for her next project.
0: The structure of school was of little interest to her, so as a teenager she soon dropped out to work at a clothing factory. It was at least a chance to make some cash of her own. It was during this time that she met her first husband, Dennis James Ryan
1: Just a year later in 1951 The 16-year-old Kath Married her 19-year-old Beau About the same time Their first child, Dennis Jr. Was born, followed by another Boy named Peter in 1953
0: But the Honeymoon phase ended all too Soon. Kath found herself Living a life eerily similar To her own mother Dennis Sr. went off to fight In the Korean War leaving the 17-year-old mother, who was at that point still in the midst of her second pregnancy, alone to care for their young son. Naturally, Kath felt out of her depth.
1: Kath's own mother, Gladys, soon stepped in to take care of the boys, taking on the tradition of raising them as her own. To Dennis and Peter, she was their mother. They thought Kath was their older sister. Thus, the bizarre cycle of deceit continued on.
0: Gladys was the only mother they knew. But unfortunately, this wasn't necessarily for the better. She physically abused Peter and Dennis.
1: Without her sons at home and her husband off at war, 18-year-old Kath filled her time however she saw fit. She took on many lovers. In 1953, Kath had an affair with William George Pierce also known as Billy, a local small-time crook.
0: Deep as he was in the underworld, it wasn't surprising that Billy encouraged Kath's interest in crime. She soon realized she faced a clear choice. She would either stay with her husband whenever he returned from war, and the two would live a standard, law-abiding life. Or she could stay with Billy, and potentially fuel her need for excitement by being a petty criminal with him.
1: Ultimately, the choice was made for her. Dennis Sr. abandoned Kath when he returned from the war, so Kath stayed with Billy. And their relationship was passionate, but volatile. Billy regularly beat Kath, even when she again became pregnant.
0: They had six children together over the next seven years, including Vicky, Victor, and Lex. Three of the kids were given up for adoption. With Billy in and out of prison for minor offences like auto theft and burglary, he wasn't adequately helping raise their children.
1: Unfortunately, Billy also wasn't loyal to their marriage. After one of his prison stays around 1960, he married another woman upon release. However, Kath moved on quickly too. She soon fell in love with a truck driver named Jimmy Pettingill, He was already married, though, so he and Kath would never have their own wedding. Still, that didn't stop Kath from taking his last name anyway.
0: In fact, not only was Kath aware of Jimmy's other family, she was fine with their open relationship. While they were together, he juggled his other family, plus, at the very least, one other girlfriend.
1: Soon, Jimmy had children with Kath, too. From this relationship, she had two more sons, Jamie and Trevor. This rounded out Kath's total brood of kids to the 10 she'd predicted. She even claimed that she wasn't able to get pregnant again after having her 10th child.
0: Kath and Jimmy stayed together for about six years, about which time his truck driving paired with a pill habit became too much. The couple split in 1967.
1: On her own again, 32-year-old Kath moved the family to Liberty Parade, a rough neighborhood. Employment opportunities were extremely limited, especially with the seven children living with her. In light of this, Kath took the most lucrative position she could find – barmaid at a hotel. It allowed her a little breathing room to provide for her family, despite the fact that her older children still believed her to be their older sister rather than their mother.
0: While she was at work, Kath had been able to purchase some small luxuries to keep the kids busy, like an above-ground pool and a billiards table. But her eldest son, Dennis, had already found other distractions. Trouble with the law seemed to be his destiny. As it would later become apparent with his mother, he enjoyed the thrill of petty crime.
1: In 1969, the 18-year-old was arrested for unlicensed driving. He was fined and sent to Tirana, Melbourne's juvenile detention centre. This was just one early instance in an escalating series of run ins with the law over the next several years.
0: Disappointed as she was that her son was repeatedly ending up behind bars, Kath visited Dennis every weekend while he was away. Seeing him in custody was a special kind of mother's pain. It prompted Kath to come clean about the truth of their relationship. She wasn't his older sister. She was his mother.
1: Kath revealed this absolute bomb of information through a letter to her son. Upon learning the truth, Dennis was, unsurprisingly, angry. He felt betrayed, considering the years of lies and childhood abuse he had endured.
0: It created an irreparable rift between the two. Dennis became more violent than ever. He'd turn into Kath's biggest liability. In all his rage, he seemed hell-bent on finding a more vengeful life.
1: In October 1973, the nearly 22-year-old Dennis truly revealed his potential for violence. He accepted a $500 contract to kill the operator of a massage parlor. To do it, he recruited his younger brother Peter and another two young men to help.
0: That night, the four-man hit squad arrived at the home of three sisters who knew the parlor operator. They hoped to use these girls to lure in their victim. Yet they quickly encountered a problem. Their target never showed. Dennis was furious. He took out his rage on the girls and one of their boyfriends instead.
1: After raping one woman and sexually assaulting another, Dennis allegedly fled. He and one of his men headed for Sydney, but were caught by police soon after. On these grounds, Dennis was convicted of rape and sentenced to 10 years in prison.
0: Meanwhile, Peter, who had also sexually assaulted the women, went with another associate on a three-day crime spree throughout Melbourne's suburbs. Local authorities ultimately caught them in a chase that led to a dead-end road. Peter faced charges similar to his brother's. He was ultimately convicted of assault, rape, and shooting at the police. He was handed down a sentence of 14 years of jail time.
1: Though Kath was undoubtedly not pleased with her son's behavior, she had her own business to tend to. While Dennis and Peter served in prison, Cath's own career grew. She quickly worked her way up from a worker in the massage parlor to its operator. Cath
0: started as a sex worker at the Black Rose Massage Parlor, sometimes giving out sexual favors at the end of a client's time. While at the Rose, by some coincidence, the parlor operator's car was blown up. Thinking it was perhaps a warning sign, they soon left the industry. Seeing her opportunity, Kath then stepped in and took over as manager.
1: But it didn't take long for Kath to land on the police's radar. A few years later, in 1976, the 41-year-old was busted for a bevy of different charges. Surprisingly, they were the first on her record. Initially, she was issued a fine for using the Black Rose to run a prostitution operation. Four months later, the court handed her a three-month prison sentence for harboring a fugitive. Several other short jail sentences followed.
0: By the summer of 1978, 43-year-old Kath and 26-year-old Dennis were both released from their respective sentences, just in time for the duo to help Kath's daughter Vicky settle a debt with parlor worker Kim Nelson. Though she left the encounter jaded and with a glass eye, the incident only bolstered the matriarch's tough-as-nails reputation.
1: By 1980, she had expanded from manager to notorious madam. By that point, Kath operated at least two massage parlors, the Black Rose and another called Vampirellas. In a world largely ruled by filthy rich men, she was well-liked by the girls working under her.
0: Recalling her own time as a sex worker, Kath ran her parlors the way she'd want to be managed. She took a smaller cut from each worker's pay than the other owners. She also made sure her women had protection. If a John got rough or handsy, Kath had Dennis or one of the other boys on call to take care of it.
1: By her early 40s, Kath had made enough money from the parlors that she purchased a house in Richmond, a nicer neighborhood. She was content to enjoy her success, but her son Dennis was less patient. He wanted to take it to the next level. He had a big plan, involving the whole family. As the 1980s arrived, Dennis wanted to be Melbourne's source for the street's most profitable drug at the time, heroin.
0: No mother wanted their child involved with heroin. Even the tough Kath Pettingill wasn't sold on the idea. She didn't want her kids taking drugs, and she was particularly wary of heroin's addictiveness. But for some reason, hearing his pitch, Kath came around and approved of Dennis's plan to sell heroin around the neighborhood.
1: After all, the business model seemed simple enough. Dennis would obtain the supply. Then he would show Kath how to cut and dilute its potency to maximize profits and potentially prevent deaths by overdose.
0: Kath was on board, and soon the rest of the family was brought in to help. Dennis's brothers, 17-year-old Trevor and 18-year-old Jamie, helped prepare and distribute the product. They sometimes used Kath's massage parlors for sales and drops. In case anyone got out of hand during these meetings, 23-year-old Victor served as the family enforcer. That was rare, though. The Melbourne underworld knew better than to challenge the Pettingills.
1: As they started to come in, Dennis managed the profits, and the Pettingills were soon making more money than Kath could have ever guessed. Thanks to the drug operation, the family was pulling in an estimated $70,000 a week.
0: Dennis paid each helper $300 a night. For them, it was a fortune.
1: With the profits, Dennis too made some upgrades. He bought houses in Richmond including another for Kath right next door to his own. It appeared the illicit venture had mended their relationship. But it wouldn't last.
0: With his newfound wealth came a growing sense of impracticality for Dennis. His purchases were loud and lavish. He bought and wore $250,000 worth of gold jewelry. Such displays of wealth and ego soon drew attention from Melbourne's underworld and the authorities.
1: By 1984, the Victoria State Police started running constant surveillance and raids on Dennis's properties. He was arrested on multiple occasions, but the charges never stuck. Until that is, Dennis's own addiction got the better of him.
0: Dennis didn't use his own heroin stash, but instead became addicted to another drug, speed.
1: At one point, he injected himself with the amphetamine every 30 minutes. Sometimes he was so high that he forgot to remove the dressing gown cord he used to find a vein in his arm.
0: Dennis stayed awake for days on end, growing delusional and irrational. While high, he once thought Kath was his girlfriend. Another time, he thought she was a rival enemy. Kath recalled, Speed was the love of Dennis's life.
1: Around the same time, Dennis's rage problem ran completely off the rails. It turned deadly. One night, he allegedly played some part in beating up and killing his childhood friend, Greg Pash. It was such a brutal murder that the blood likely soaked through the carpet and into the floorboards.
0: Dennis had trouble cleaning up the aftermath. The next day, he asked Kath if he could borrow her electric heater. He needed to dry out the floorboards from the blood. She was unaware of what had transpired the night before, so, confused but willing, she brought it over. When she arrived at Dennis's house, she found the living room carpets were ripped up and the floorboards were still soaked. Kath was even more confused, and soon, Dennis started to cry.
1: It was two months later that he told her Greg was dead, but he never confessed that he himself had murdered his friend. Kath, remembering the wet floor though, knew that it had taken place at his house and that he was somehow involved. It was allegedly the first kill he'd taken part in, his own childhood buddy, and she knew Dennis's reaction was one of horror and shame.
0: But that feeling didn't last. By August of 1984, the 32-year-old went on to kill again, and this time people would witness it.
1: During a summer party at Dennis's house, one guest crossed the room to change the music. He barely reached the record player when Dennis drew a 38 revolver from his waistband and fired. He was completely unprovoked.
0: Dennis shot the man in the shoulder, chest and head. The guest fell, lying in a growing pool of blood on the floor. Those around them fled, shrieked, or vomited at the sight.
1: But Dennis wasn't done yet. In some sort of maniacal rage, he shot a flurry of bullets at point-blank range into the guest's head. Then he took a knife and slit the bullet-riddled corpse's throat.
0: Once Dennis realized he had killed again and was left with an eerily familiar and bloody scene, he defaulted to what he had done before. He asked Kath to fix his crime.
1: Dennis barged into his mother's house, demanding she clean up his mess. But 49-year-old Kath didn't stand for it. He had killed before, but maybe she thought Dennis would have repented after his involvement in Greg Pash's murder.
0: This time, though, there was no regret in her son's eyes. All she saw was unchecked rage. He was only concerned with the cleanup. More direly, though, there were witnesses to the entire killing. Most anyone at the party could pin the murder on Dennis.
1: Kath could look the other way for nearly any other one of her children's crimes. But she didn't approve of ones that left behind witnesses. One false move like Dennis's threatened to end their growing empire.
0: At this point, though, seeing his mental state, Kath knew her son was beyond help. She went back to bed, leaving Dennis to clean up the mess himself. He grabbed Kath's vacuum cleaner and suctioned up the gruesome aftermath from his living room floor.
1: It wouldn't be the last time, either.
0: Coming up... Kath discovers one final, chilling truth about her son.
1: Now, back to the story.
0: In the 1980s, Kath Pettingill's family of criminals seemed untouchable in southeastern Australia, from the outside, at least. On the inside, though, their bonds were slowly crumbling, thanks to Kath's son, Dennis. Her eldest child was addicted to drugs and turning violent. He started killing more and more people, Kath's parlor customers, bikers, and sex workers. Dennis even turned his violence to his immediate family. He beat and tortured his own wife, Sissy.
1: Over the course of their relationship, he physically abused Sissy. Once, he chained her to a washing machine and even stabbed her in the throat. After cutting his wife's throat, Dennis dumped her body into his car's trunk.
0: When his sister-in-law, Wendy Pierce, found the body barely alive, she convinced Dennis to dump Sissy at a local train station. She hoped a stranger would find her and bring her to the hospital before it was too late. Miraculously, a good Samaritan did just that. Sissy was one of the few survivors of Dennis's attacks.
1: But others weren't as lucky. Dennis may have killed as many as 11 people, all crimes which he was never reprimanded for. The Victoria Police allegedly overlooked these murders and their role in the larger drug empire because Dennis was willing to pay bribes. It's unclear when Dennis started paying off the cops, but it appeared he had some loophole to make him more untouchable than ever.
0: Soon, Dennis began giving the police more than just money. He became an informant. He was now playing both sides, and Kath had no idea. Dennis's double life included keeping two phone numbers that very likely went straight to his police handlers. If he was arrested, all his lawyer had to do was call one of the numbers to set Dennis free. He was considered a valuable part of investigating the larger underworld at play.
1: Rumors about his police involvement began to circulate in the crime world, though, and made their way back to his mother. But oddly, Kath shook them off. She was a firm believer in loyalty. Her son wouldn't betray her like that. Despite all the whispers, she continued to ignore them. That is, until Dennis ratted her out. In 1986,
0: local police searched Kath's backyard. They uncovered a slew of Dennis's drugs. But it was Kath and Dennis's younger brother, Trevor, who were arrested for possession and trafficking. She soon realized that her own son had potentially hidden his contraband in her yard in order to protect himself. The eldest, who she believed had been so loyal to her, was apparently willing to let his own mother take the fall for his crimes. And if Dennis would give up his own mother, he would give up anyone.
1: In the wake of this tremendous and consequential revelation, Kath still lived by her code of loyalty. She continued to stay tight-lipped. She did not give up her wayward son. Though many believe she would have preferred him dead rather than unloyal, Kath did not move to pull any triggers. Dennis was her eldest son. His drug empire helped bring in thousands of dollars for the family.
0: And she didn't dare jeopardize that.
1: It seemed Kath was willing to do just about anything to keep the status quo. She could deal with her own safety and freedom hanging in the balance if it meant keeping the business running. That is, until Dennis's own drug addiction took a turn for the fatal.
0: January 19th, 1987 seemed to be an ordinary Monday. 51-year-old Kath was getting ready to watch a huge cricket match. In addition to being a ruthless crime boss, she was a diehard cricket fan. Today's game was a must-see contest, so Kath settled in in front of her television.
1: But before the match started, Kath heard a frightening, muffled groan come from the house next door, denniss home.
0: She ignored it at first, thinking it was the wind or a TV glitch. But the noise was persistent. It sounded like wheezy agony. And like any mother would, Kath was worried about her 35-year-old son. She ran next door to check on him.
1: Dennis's front door was locked, and Kath couldn't find her copy of his keys. But the groans kept getting louder and louder, and Kath panicked. As ruthless and tough as she was, Kath still cared deeply for her son. Knowing his history of drugs, she was scared Dennis was in danger. So Kath did something completely against her nature. She called the police for help.
0: Soon, two policemen arrived on the scene. With Kath in tow, they broke through and entered Dennis's house. It was completely
1: silent. Police stormed the house and headed for the bedroom. Trailing them, Kath braced herself. She wanted to know what was going on, but was equally scared of what they might find. Moments
0: later, Kath and the police found Dennis lying across his bed. There was no blood, weapons, or signs of violence. He was unconscious. The police suspected that Dennis had a stroke and called an ambulance.
1: Kath followed them to the hospital and stayed with her son. She held his hand while his unconscious body twitched and shook. For a brief moment, Dennis woke up and made eye contact with Kath. But he didn't say he loved her, nor did he ask for reassurance. He requested... His lawyers.
0: Doctors soon concluded that Dennis did have a stroke, in addition to a rare bacterial infection. In a condition worsened by his repeated drug use, pieces of his heart had flaked off and entered his bloodstream. When these remnants entered the blood vessels of his brain, it resulted in a stroke.
1: The once untouchable younger kingpin, Dennis Allen, had been ground to a halt by his own addiction. Doctors determined that he likely couldn't survive the damage that the stroke had created.
0: And when word of his condition reached the underworld, mouths were sent flapping. Without his vengeance to fear anymore, witnesses to Dennis's previous murders started talking to police.
1: Which was more than sufficient evidence to build a case against him. By March of 1987, Dennis was charged... With one count of murder It was likely to be the first charge Against a Pettingill family That actually stuck Or so the police thought
0: As Dennis awaited trial His condition deteriorated Though he had lasted longer Than doctors initially thought A month later On April 13, 1987 Kath visited him in the hospital He flatlined while she was there it's unclear if Kath had anything to do with his vitals dropping.
1: But she was present in the room as Dennis's life ended. Nurses rushed to the room to resuscitate him, but she fought them off.
0: Kath's reasoning for wanting her son dead, as she claimed, was not for nefarious reasons. Though his addiction and murder charge cast a shadow on her family's criminal empire, she claimed it was because she wanted to end her child's suffering. She said, I wanted it all over. I didn't want them to take him away.
1: Kath was devastated following the death of her 35-year-old eldest son. Though thanks to her money and reputation, she would return to a prime position in the underworld, those things could not protect her from her grief. Kath believed she needed to get away from all the misdeeds for a bit. Dennis's death had sparked some desire for a change of pace, So Kath eventually relocated two hours away to Venus Bay for a quieter life.
0: For a few short months, she had just that. But while the family's heroine empire died with Dennis, the rest of the Pettingill clan was still at large. After all, there were six children left who had learned everything they needed to know about a life of crime from their mother.
1: Soon... Their misdeeds would summon Kath back to Richmond, but her role would be unlike any before it. Instead of being the enforcer, she would take on the job of keeping her other children from being convicted of murder.
0: Thanks again for listening to Kingpins. Join us next week as we pick up with Kath's return to Richmond to fight for the lives of two of her younger sons.
1: For more information on Kath Pettingill, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Matriarch, the story of Granny Evil, Kathy Pettingill, by Adrian Tame, extremely helpful to our research.
0: You can find more episodes of Kingpins and all other originals for free on Spotify.
1: We'll see you next time.
0: Kingpins was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Kingpins was written by Haley Hamilton, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Kate Leonard and Alistair Murden.